I'd like to spend the next couple of weeks on some of Jesus' teaching on prayer. When we read through the gospel accounts, we see that for Jesus, prayer was a high priority. As, as he mentioned, we see kind of a rhythm. He would be around a lot of people. He would teach. He would heal, cast out demons. He, he would do miracles. And then he'd get away from the, from the crowds and spend time alone with the Father in prayer. He'd go, it says, often to uh, isolated places, desert places. Not only did he give us his example, but he gave us a lot of instruction on prayer. Prayer was a high priority for Jesus. And we see in the book of Acts that uh, prayer was also a high priority. Uh, it says that the church was devoted to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. The apostles themselves, they said, we'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And throughout the history of the church, we, we see that the great moves of God were preceded by people calling on him earnestly. A.T. Pearson said, there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. So this is the importance of prayer. It's, it's God's desire that we should have communion with him, that we should seek him, that we should yearn for him. And that's why we pray, because we have a hunger for God. And so I'd like to ask the question today, how should we pray? Well, let's begin by looking at what Jesus said. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at the Lord's Prayer, but let's begin just by way of introduction with looking at the teaching that uh, in the passage in uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 8, uh, the passage that leads up to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we can draw some principles from this passage about how God would have us pray. Read with me. Starting with verse 5, he says, And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they stand, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In this passage, uh, I'd like to pull out three principles uh, for us to deserve, or observe. Uh, in our prayer, we need to be genuine, we need to be teachable, and we need to be relational. And let's begin with the first. Be genuine. I want to start out with something that's really obvious here. In order to be genuine in our prayer, we need to actually pray. Uh, we need to, all of us, renounce the sin of prayerlessness and become truly people of prayer. Jesus begins with the words, when you pray. In, in fact, notice these three words appear three times. Uh, when you pray. Uh, not if you pray. He, he's, he's not putting prayer out there as an option. Uh, Jesus' expectation is that we will pray. So being genuine in prayer starts obviously by actually praying. Now a while back I had lunch with um, one of the leaders in a church where I was previously a pastor. And this guy said, 
you know, I really don't understand why our church is not growing. Uh, visitors come usually just once. They they don't return even if we follow up. You know, there, there's something that's just not drawing them. Uh, the Bible's being taught faithfully, uh, but but that doesn't seem to matter. And and he went on and on and. You know, what he was really des- describing in this church was a, a spiritual drought. And uh, I, I mentioned to him uh, something that I had pretty recently preached on, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, where God is saying, uh, as, as a result of spiritual drought, uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their, their sinful ways, what does he say? I'll, I'll hear your, pre- your prayers from heaven and, and heal your land. Well, this guy says, well, nah, <laughs> we, don't need a, we don't need to pray. We need a plan. Um, brothers and sisters, we as a church need to pray. Jesus goes on and he says, uh, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, what's a hypocrite? The, the Greek word is used to describe a, a play actor on a stage, somebody with perhaps a, a mask on, somebody who's uh, concealing his own identity in, in, in uh, order to make people think that he's somebody different from, what he, from who he really is. Uh, Jesus goes on to describe such a person. He points out that uh, they're, they're praying publicly in the synagogue and on street corners that they may be seen by others. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying publicly. There's nothing wrong with praying together. In fact, that's something that uh, we need to be doing. You know, the, the point is that God cares about our, our motives. He cares what's in our hearts. Uh, praying with the wrong motive, pretending, that's the problem. And, and he's addressing the why of prayer, you know, why do we pray? He says that these hypocrites are, are play acting. Their prayers have nothing to do with uh, seeking God, nothing to do with communing with him or, or worshiping him. Their desire is that people would worship them. Their, their desire is that they would look good. Uh, we need to be genuine. We don't we can't we can't pretend let's not be pretenders when we pray it it needs to be real during my uh first assignment in the air force at uh, McCord Air Force Base in Tacoma our unit commander was a, a one-star general and he he was uh he had previously be, uh, been a pilot in the uh, Vietnam War and he was shot down he was a uh, prisoner of war for several years and uh, I didn't have a lot of personal encounters with him, but uh, two came, two come to mind. Uh, the first was uh, one day I was during an awards ceremony presented with a uh, military award. And the uh, the citation to accompany the award was read, describing how, how good I was, how spectacular my performance was. And uh, when, when this was through, the general pinned this ribbon on me and presented the award and I saluted him he saluted back and yeah I'm not sure that very many of the people attended uh, who who were attending this mandatory formation were really that impressed but fast forward a couple years and I was applying for a a commissioning program to, to become an officer in the Air Force and I requested an endorsement from this general 
And so I got a uh, phone call one day. The general wanted to talk to me, wanted me to come up to his office. And so I, I went up there and his executive officer took me to the door. I, uh, I knocked, I entered, saluted the general. He saluted me back. He said, have a seat. Let's talk. And we had a conversation. It was a real conversation. He, he asked me some questions. He wanted to uh, get to know me. Uh, he, he told me a little about himself, some, some of his stories. And, you know, it's kind of cool. It was, it was a real genuine person-to-person -person conversation. And it was uh, really much different from uh, a, a different type of encounter than the other one. You know, it was, it was genuine. It was personal. And, you know, I would much rather have an authentic conversation with someone than to have an encounter that is just merely there to make me look good. Uh, you know, the, the conversation was uh, a much greater reward than a, the piece of paper and the ribbon that was pr pr presented to me in front of the camera. Now, I really hesitate to criticize others for the way they pray. I'm probably not even qualified to do so, but I suspect that things have really not changed much since Jesus' day. You know, we need to listen to his instruction. Uh, we should never pray in order to be in the limelight. We should be motivated by the privilege of having an audience with God. Uh, later, when we talk about the model prayer that Jesus has given us, the, the Lord's Prayer, we'll see that our prayer needs need to be based on worship. Uh, we, we need to give God what is due Him before we ask Him to give to us. And our worship, as Jesus said, must be in spirit and in truth. It, it needs to be genuine. Jesus said, uh, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in heaven. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. <laughs> now, if you uh, use the King James Version, it says, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And I, I remember reading that that when I was a kid, uh, you know, the, the, the picture I had was of sitting in the little closet with a flashlight in, in my Bible, you know, totally hidden from the world, uh, just me and Jesus in, in my little closet. And uh, I actually did that a couple times. Uh, now you could do that, uh, but that really isn't what Jesus is talking about here. You know, the word uh, for the King James Version uh, translates as closet actually means an inner room. And uh, Daniel Henderson gives a story to illustrate. He went to Scotland on his uh, 40th birthday. Uh, that's his roots. He, he's Scottish. And uh, they were touring this, uh, this castle, uh, Holyrood House in Edinburgh. And um, they, while they were on the tour, they uh, were told they're going to see the king's closet and the queen's closet. And he said, you know, uh, a dumb American. I turn to my wife and I go, why are we looking in their closets? Is she showing off her robe or her crown or, you know, her shoes? I don't know, but we'll go look at it. And so they went through the door about halfway through and uh, they came to this beautifully decorated room, uh, sofas and chairs and sitting areas, about 40 by 40 feet, a pretty big room. And the tour guy said, this is the king's closet. Uh, he said it was a real privilege uh, Henderson says, to be called uh, to the king's closet. In his closet, the king would meet with friends and dignitaries and royalty and family. And he thought, wow, that's different. And uh, they went and saw the, uh, king, the queen's closet, another room, same size, better furnishings. 
any in any case uh you know all of a sudden uh he says uh you know this this is exactly the uh primary meeting room for the king and uh you know all of a sudden he says it all makes sense that we're praying a plural prayer in a little closet no we're not doing that we're praying a plural prayer in a gathering and uh, he said that you know there's another nuance here the same king who authorized the king james version was the same king who had this uh, holyrood palace uh built and uh named those rooms closets so you know you see jesus is not saying that praying with others or praying in front of others is hypocritical you know unless you're doing it for recognition to to look good in front of others or you know to to boost your status or uh, stroke your ego praying alone with god is good it's, it's necessary uh, but we do have clear instruction in the scripture and uh, we also have the example of jesus uh, of course he would get alone to a remote place to play or pray to the father but um, he also prayed with his disciples and again we have the example of the early church that says we need to pray together god comes and does some great things when his people come together and call on him in prayer we we need both we need personal prayer as well as corporate prayer so we need to pray we need to be genuine in our prayer uh, god looks at our hearts we need to examine our motives here you know sometimes it's hard for us to admit when our motives are wrong when our thinking is wrong and it, it takes a lot of humility to approach God and say like the psalmist in uh, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And so this, this brings us to our next point in how we should pray. And that is we should be teachable. Now, I'll say something about this. You know, this is something that we all need to work on. You know, what, what does it mean to be teachable? Uh, it means we realize we don't know everything. You know, there are gaps in our knowledge. We, we really can learn new things, and we can learn to look at things differently. And as, as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about how as we get older, we tend to have more difficulty with this. You know, we get, we get set in our ways. Uh, we resist change. But, the, you know, the more I thought about it, I started thinking about uh, one of our daughters when she was little. She'd get something in her head, and it was impossible to change her mind. She is impossible to move her. She'd argue, for instance, about how a particular word is pronounced or how the lyrics of the song go. You know, she'd dig in her heels, refuse to budge. And, uh, you know, I don't want to put down any of my children, but the point is, I think at any age, we struggle with the tendency to insist that we're always right. You know, we have to be right. And we might get insulted if somebody tells us that we actually do have something to learn. You know, does this ring true? Think about Think about the things we're stubborn about. You know, are, are we stubborn about uh, political issues and, and affiliations? You know, even when we can sometimes clearly see biblical principles being violated. 
Are we stubborn about certain doctrinal issues because of our background and upbringing? Even when a solid biblical case can be made for rethinking our position. The thing is, we all need to be able to exercise some humility and admit that there's a possibility that we've been wrong and, and that we don't know everything. That, that we need to be capable of learning. That's what teachability is. People get real offended by this kind of thing. And I think it's especially true about things such as prayer. You know, you might say, well, I've been praying for decades. You know, prayer is a simple thing. It's, it's talking with God. How, what could I possibly be taught about praying that I don't already know? And you know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks in the uh, elder meeting about this. You know, if we, if we don't feel we need help in this area, maybe scripture will, will inform us. In Romans 8, 26, the Apostle Paul said, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We need help in our weakness, it says. And this, this word for weakness, you know, certainly speaks of our, our lack of confidence. But it also has the, uh, the sense of uh, sickness and disease. You know, it's, it's talking about something that's really deeply wrong in us. You know, Paul's including himself in this when he says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. We need the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. We, we need his help here. We need to learn from him. We can't do this through our, our own resourcefulness and, and cleverness and, and creativity. You know, if we try, then guess what? We're going to be just like those pretenders who stand on the street corners and try to impress people. We need help. We need to admit that and turn to God and say, Lord, I need help with this. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray because so often my heart is cold and, and it's stony and I can't bring myself to humble myself before you and, and approach you with empty hands and learn from you. In Luke's account of the gospel, in chapter 11, first verse, leading up to Jesus' instruction on prayer, uh, one of the disciples made this request, teach us to pray. Luke 11.1 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. This is a request we all need to make, Lord, teach us to pray, not... Not only teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. You know, are, are we guilty of that sin of, of prayerlessness? Uh, then we need to bring this to him. We need to admit it. We need to repent. Uh, let's, let's become people of prayer. Let's become people who seek God, who, who have a hunger and a thirst for him. Uh, and we're not going to be people of prayer out of guilt or obligation we're going to be a people of prayer because we want to be in relationship with our Father because we want to enjoy His presence moment by moment. So how can we learn to pray? That's where we're heading over the next couple of weeks. You know, we can certainly learn from God's Word. I'd, I'd like to suggest that our prayer time should include hearing from God. Have you ever prayed and, you know, you just felt at a loss for what to say. Uh, you know, maybe you feel like you're just talking into a void. 
I think we've all experienced that. But I'd like to point out that the, the prayer book of God's people for a long time has been the book of Psalms. We can learn to pray from, from God's word. And that, that, that leads us now to the model prayer that Jesus gave us, that, that, that pattern prayer known as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, maybe it'd be better to name it the Disciples' Prayer. Well, our final point in answering this question, how should we pray, is uh, we need to be relational. You know, having, having laid down this preliminary instruction on prayer, uh, Jesus gives his disciples a, a model prayer, a pattern prayer that uh, might be so familiar to us that we, we don't really give it much thought. Uh, but Jesus taught this pattern at, at two times that we know of. There's a good probability that Jesus taught this many times in many contexts. But uh, these two are recorded, one in Matthew, the other in Luke. Uh, in Luke's gospel account at one point, Jesus is praying at some place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, pa- John the Baptist taught his disciples. And Jesus said, when you pray, say this. And he gave him this this Lord's Prayer. And so, you know, is it it valid to pray that prayer word for word? Absolutely, perfectly good to do that, just as Jesus gave it. But in Matthew, Jesus said something a little different. He said, when you pray, pray like this. And then he gave him this prayer. In other words, what what he was saying is, uh, pray like this, pray in this manner. This prayer gives us a, a perfect model from which to build our own prayers. And here's that prayer that, uh, is, that Jesus gave in uh, Matthew 5, 9 through 13. He said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on, on earth as, as, as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'd like to point out uh, that we should take note that Jesus is uh, speaking in the plural. He, he uses the word our. He, he also uses the word us. You know, he didn't say my father or give me this day my daily bread or forgive my debts and, and so forth. He's really emphasizing the importance of praying together. And he wants us to, to pray like this when we come together. This, this prayer is in the first person plural. This should, this should help us realize that uh, we need to get away from our individualism. It helps us to see that we are with each other relationally part of God's family. And it's a reminder that we approach him together. We, we should pray together as well as pray alone. Now this, this prayer pattern that Jesus gave his disciples uh, begins not with a focus on us or or our needs, but with a focus on our relationship with God. You know, it begins by us seeing and appreciating our our relationship with him. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. He he invites me as, as his child. He he invites you as, as a loving father. He's our heavenly father. And as Paul says in Ephesians 4, we're his beloved children. When we pray our father, we know we receive the love of, of the father. Remember when Jesus uh, 
talked to Nicodemus. He, he said, you must be born again. And he, he was speaking of this, this new birth, a, a rebirth from above. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That is, if we've been born, we each have a physical father. But God becomes our heavenly father when we come to him uh, through Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus, we're, we're born from above. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh, the fatherhood of God and, you know, how we're all imperfect fathers. Uh, we need to we need to trust God to be able to, to let go of any uh, hurts or disappointments. We need to come to him as a child and, and receive his love, the kind of love that only he can give. Now, as an aside, uh, you know, those of us who, who are fathers need to think about this, about how um, the way our children view God a lot of times is influenced by the kind of fathers we are. Uh, if we're neglectful, unpredictable, harsh, uh, unforgiving, you know, we're, we're not being a good reflection of, of our Heavenly Father like we need to be. You know, we want, we want our children to know the Father for who He really is. You know, we need, we need to see our God, the Father, as, as a good Father who loves us, who will never stop loving us. You know, He's a Father who's not uh, capricious and, and condemning, but, but He's a loving Father who's consistent and forgiving. He's a, he's a Father who's concerned with our affairs and, and He desires the, the best for His children. And he's, he's told us he'll never abandon us nor leave us as orphans. He, he's told us I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when Jesus told his disciples about the coming Holy Spirit, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and, and the world will see me no more. But you'll see me because I live. You will, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So in Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we experience the, the presence and, and the love of our Heavenly Father. In, in Jesus, we're, we're accepted by the Father. You know, as, as flawed and imperfect as we are, we, we have a Father who truly loves us and forgives us. You know, we have the assurance as Paul says in Romans eight thirty-eight through 39 I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our prayers need to be relational. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father, you know, come to him as a child through, through Jesus. Come to him knowing that you're his beloved child uh, rather than approaching our Father with empty words. We need to come to him because we long to be with him. We don't come to him with empty words. We come to him with empty hands. 
We need to come to him not, as he mentioned in verse 5, like, like the hypocrites who just are trying to look good to others. Uh, nor, as he said, heaping up many words to impress others. No, he, he wants us to pray in simplicity and sincerity. We need to be genuine in our prayer. We need to be teachable, praying to the Lord to teach us to pray. We need to focus on our relationship with God and learn to pray together to our Father. Now, we'll, uh, we'll continue to look at the Lord's prayer next week. I, I would just like to uh, close by, by praying this prayer, uh, this prayer that Jesus gave us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, Lord, from evil. For yours is, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.